Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Needs, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course wisewomanschool.com You can also just go to her website susanweed.com where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you and welcome Susan. Thank you Justine and welcome Rebecca. Good evening, Susan. How are you? I am doing wonderfully well. I went down to uh, see the doctors on Friday, and they all applauded and were wreathed in smiles and singing 
you know, I can hardly believe the rapidity of my healing and the strength of the new tissue and the phenomenal um, way that I had put on 20 pounds of muscle since the end of June. Wow, that's amazing. It discharged me at 119 <laughs> pounds. 119? 119 wow. pounds. I look like the death hag, Rebecca. Wow. It was really wow. scary to look myself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so thanks to nourishing herbal infusions and eating four meals a day mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the generally good quality of the food that I have access to. I have been able to wow them. Yeah. And I, yeah. And and it's not just that. It's also the loving support that I have from you and from Justine and from so many people, too many people to mention by name. I am surrounded by gifts and rose petals and little Lulu comic books and stickers and painted shells and tinctures Mm -hmm. and ointments and an amazing outpouring of love and care. And I am so grateful. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, each and Mm -hmm. every one of you. Mm. Oh, well, we're also, I'm sure, I don't want to speak for everyone, but, you know, I'm sure that people are so, I mean, just to hear that you... Of course, you would know how to uh, bounce back from that, and I mean, yeah, wow, 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 quite the journey, quite the journey you've been on. Indeed, you never know what the next chapter yeah. will bring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as the nation is undergoing this, uh, this, uh, we're on the, we're teetering on the edge here of the unknown. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least at least Mercury has gone direct. Okay, okay. So we have that going. <laughs> According to the astrologers, yes. we have been suffering uh-huh. from Mercury retrograde for the past bit, and many of us have been quite suffering from it, as it uh, messes with communications and so on. But apparently, that is now over and done with. And Vicky Noble says Uranus is square something, so that's going to be big change and uh, who knows what the next chapter will bring right 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 well yeah but we know what the uh, next chapter will the next chapter will bring digging roots because the ground has gotten old now and now the roots are not just storing carbohydrates but they're really making those medicinal compounds because they want to be really unattractive during the wintertime. They want to taste bad. They want to taste bitter. And so those are medicines. Those are the alkaloids. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've uh, we've waited for this kind of weather, like at the spring. You know, you wait, wait for the right weather for the maple sap to flow. Mm-hmm. Cold at night and warm during the day. And it's the same kind of thing here at the fall. And I was looking at my shoes lined up beside the door. And I am very parsimonious when it comes to shoes. 
for years and years and years, I have worn only three pairs of shoes, a pair of Birkenstocks, which I wear when I'm not barefoot, a pair of felt clogs, which are wet weather, summer and fall, and I can't go barefoot, and then a pair of winter boots, and that's that's it. When I started going to the gym, Justine gave me a pair of, what do they call them, trainers, athletic shoes, which I mm-hmm. wore for years until I discovered the um, uh, new, new foot, mm-hmm. which is a... Uh, which is the next best thing to going barefoot only or not. And then, of course, no more gym. So goodbye to, goodbye to that, at least for a while. It's pretty much my style, too. I have a different <laughs> shoe selection. but <laughs> <laughs> Mostly barefoot, but just in case they're needed. Mm-hmm. So we're having the last Moon Lodge of the year this Friday. And... Uh, Rolling up the carpets, we've already pulled all the plants in, and I was teasing that the great thing about bringing the plants inside for the winter is that I can pretend I need a lot of light for the plants, when in fact, really, it's that I want a lot more light. Mm-hmm. You've Are you moved there? From... Yes, can you still hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you. Yes. You've moved from one garden to another this year. How's that being for you right now? Um, I've been kind of, uh, I thought I was going to do a lot more, but I did manage to put in my garlic bed and um, some winter greens because I have these nice uh, uh, raised beds that have hoops over them. And so um, I'm going to, I'll be able to put some, some plastic over them and have a nice little winter garden and they has leeks and some onions in there as well. And then um, I'm still planning on planting. I have some soil that I spread that I'm going to put some, some oats into and some red clover around the beds and um, just to work the soil there for a cover crop. And um, I'm just going to wait until the spring to do the rest of my seeding. And I'll move some roots, too. I'll move some, like, comfrey over here. There's, Believe it or not, no comfrey growing over here. So, <laughs> And I'll ha- I'll make a nice, like, chickweed bed this winter. And, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have to do anything to get the chickweed to go grow there, or do you just have to, like, store the soil and the chickweed starts growing? Yeah, so what I do is I, I just um, – did you what did you say about the soil? Sure, often – those kinds of plants, oh, like sure. weed and purslane, if I stir the soil in some way, those seeds germinate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So there's a big chickweed patch close to my house, so I'll just, you know, like bring some back, like with the roots and stuff. It's just starting to come back right now, but the chickweed will stay good here pretty much all winter. Like it doesn't, because we don't get like a real heavy like freeze here. So a lot of times, you know, like the most prime time for chickweed here is like right around Christmas time. And then yeah, it, it really likes the cold. And, the, and mm-hmm. the, it does not like summer. It says, oh, goody, it's getting to be winter again. Mm-hmm. Definitely can see how it's cooling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, I, we I am have a really, We have a really interesting guest tonight. Is that what you were going to say? 
Yeah, the the guest looks really interesting, and um, I was going to talk a little bit about Angelica, but um, go ahead and talk about the Vanessa Peck, medical cannabis nurse for kids. Wow. She has an extensive background in emergency care, trauma, and pediatrics, and she wants to help educate you about the world of cannabis. Wow, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. I'm Angelica? curious, um, yeah, do you do anything, uh, do you make Angelica tincture or anything else with Angelica? I don't. No? I don't. Is Angelica there... doesn't grow around me, um, mm. and it's a family that I have a lot of respect for, and ha- have not found myself to be drawn to either Angelica Arch, Angelica, the American Angelica, or Angelica Sinensis, Chinese Angelica, also called Dong Kwai. Mm-hmm. And they're both um, warming root uterine tonics. The whole family seems to have uterine effects, right? Wild carrot seeds seem to change the uterine lining to make it slicker so that a fertilized egg can't implant. And there are, of course, some of the most poisonous plants in the world in this family, as well as carrots and dill and parsley and anise and fennel and, you know, wonderful plants. Mm-hmm. Celery. I was just uh, reading a, a book by James Duke. I miss Dr. Duke a lot. <clears throat> and he was talking about his ongoing battle with gout until, and the things that didn't work for him. And then celery. <clears throat> and then he found that if he could eat a lot of celery, it really cut down uh, on his gout. And then somebody suggested that he do celery seed tea. And, of course, I love the aromatic seed teas, the fennel seed tea and the anise seed tea and the coriander seed tea and the cumin seed tea and celery seed tea. And he said it just was perfect and vanquished his gout. Wow. Yeah. 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 And I've heard Angelica, too. It can be used as a treatment for gout as well. So just being in the same family. Same family. The A-P-A-C-A-E. Mm-hmm. Mhm. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And with I, with Dong Kwai, um, what I was taught was that um, Dong Kwai is not safe to use alone. And, and I thought hmm. that was really interesting. That it's not considered safe to use by itself. And it was supposed to be used with um, other roots, like Romania root and white peony root, to soothe it and calm it and keep the energy in the body. And I didn't really understand what that meant until I saw a tall, thin man 
who was a vegan, consumed some Dong Kwai. And it was summer, and he had his shirt off. And I saw a flush rise as he drank it, right? And you could see it, like, go into his stomach. And his whole chest turned red, and the red, like, spread up his neck, up to his face. And he, like, fainted, bam, right on the floor. Hmm. And that's what they meant, that the heat of the Dong Kwai, if it if the liver is not strong, can't be pulled down into the body to work on the uterus, and so it goes up to the head and literally knocks you out. Wow. Well, interesting. Yeah. And you, you, the the Angelica Archangelica wouldn't be that strong to do that. I don't know. Possibly. Hmm. Okay. Well, there's a there's a cautionary. <laughs> That's a cautionary story. To <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm gonna experiment with it. I I have a bunch in my other garden and. I think it's just a striking, beautiful plant, and um, it is. I read it, you know, it's like the like spiritually because it's it's like the angelic herb, you know, like that it's a uh, it's one of Brigid's herbs, like for in bulk, and it brings like that light of consciousness, like she does, and so I was attracted to growing it, and um, it's so beautiful in the garden. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> So yes, this is the first know, time I'll be able to dig the root. It's the, that time of year. So oh, after right. it's because it's a biennial, you know, right? Right, exactly. See, mm-hmm. so so you're at the end of the first year, so you can get some root. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before it flowers. Mm-hmm. Well, some of them have already gone to flower, and then there's there was some that had, yeah, that had. That seeded and that are growing for their first year right now. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, because uh, mm-hmm. I hear that it grows best from its own seeds scattered. That it's t- right. difficult to start it, but once it's started, it will self-seed pretty easily. Mm-hmm. It does, and there's a lot of seeds. <laughs> <laughs> Hurrah! So you got a lot of mm-hmm. plants you can harvest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can give some away, so spread them all over. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we have now, just a one couple. Of the, one of, one of the uh, kind of interesting things about being autistic is that one tends to um, not be total, very imaginative the way other people are imaginative, but to kind of be like kind of dry and like stick to facts. So mm-hmm. I kind of checked it out and. Like angels um, are an Old Testament phenomena, and they're the enforcers, mm-hmm. right? When God says, you know, I want to get rid of these two cities, he sends an angel to do the, to kill the, you know, kill everybody in the cities, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So if we're talking about Angelica as an angel, let's be clear about what an angel is. An enforcer to yes, uh, okay. So not necessarily your you know cute little big fairy. Mhm. 
you know, even fairies um, in many places are not thought to be necessarily really nice. Right. And just, you were talking about with this whole family. It's a family that can be, hmm, you know, it can be helpful, they can be edible, but they can also be, they can hurt you. So yeah, conscious. well, that light, well, that light from Brigid too, you know, is like all encompassing too. So it's like you know, she's holding it like on a, like one of those big staffs, you know, <laughs> like it's like a, yeah. So exactly, like, it's like right on the staff, like whack, <laughs> whack, yeah. So, <laughs> so that makes at, sense. Uh, the, the witch's garden in yeah. northern Quebec, she had like two huge. Angelica's is the guardians at the gate to get into the garden. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it was a little like a little, um, kind of a little switchback, right? There were these two Angelica's in an archway. And all you could see was like a plant at the end of this short path. And you had to turn, make a sharp right. And then again, a sharp right. So you kind of went around a U and then came out into the garden. Mm. Very well warded and protected. It was lovely in the way that she had mm-hmm. done it. Mhm. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say yeah. there were people with questions? Yeah, there's just a couple people with their hands raised so far, so make sure to press one if you have a question for Susan and we'll go to our first caller in the six zero three area code. Hi Susan, can you hear me? Hi Rebecca. Can you both hear me? Yes. Oh good. Good. Um, it's Rose calling again. I'm I'm so happy to um, get to listen to both of you tonight. I just loved your discussion um, about all the plants and to hear that you're doing so well, Susan. And before I ask my question, I just wanted to tell you something that just hearing everybody call in, I mean, um, I feel like, you know, they are my sisters and I eagerly wait to hear from them to see how they're doing. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, I'm, I don't know if you realize, but it, how, what a sister had, you must, but I realize that um, what a sister, sisterhood um, I have with all of your callers and of course to you and Rebecca, because I can't, I I can't make it out to be with you at your place, but I'm with you on the phone. And everybody that calls in, I mean, you know who I'm talking about, the frequent callers, Moretta and all the others. I mean, I look forward so much to hearing how they're doing. And, um, you know, I I do pray for them. And it's just a wonderful um, sisterhood. And I just wanted to thank you again for all that you do for all of us, bringing us together unifying us you are welcome and thank you for that we are all glowing and we all feel that yeah yeah so okay so if i could get to my question please i'm almost so embarrassed but i've been trying to catch up because i i really had a a bad um year last year um with with my health issues, as you know, but I've been trying to catch up and I've been pushing so hard. I ignored a, um, I, I was out in the garden and I had got some, I thought they were just thorns, you know, just lots of scratches from thorns. And, um, and I thought, well, maybe one is just a thorn that got stuck in there. And I just um, 
put some yeah this was like a month ago and i just quickly put a drop of my um yarrow, yarrow tincture uh, not a drop um a, some a drop of full a couple of, a few times over it and bandaged it. it was bleeding quite a bit but i just did that put pressure on it and did that and then i just wrapped it up and you know i just ignored it and i said it'll go away because i'm not one to baby myself i have so much to do and so many other people to take care of but anyway um so i was just ignoring it but it 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 did hurt and it did start to itch and pain me and i would just say oh you know i'll i just ignored it anyway i finally looked at it like a few days ago and um i finally removed the bandage and um oh i took the bandage off maybe a week ago and then um a few days ago i started to look at it um because i noticed that um when i took the bandage off there was something that it looked like like maybe it was dead skin and i thought maybe it was like um a thorn that had um that my skin had that was embedded in my skin and I said, oh, dear. So I, I think back to how I brought up my children with homeopathy and, and Latum came to me. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but it's spelled L-E-D-U-M. I remember that was something, a remedy that I gave my kids if they, if they got a bee sting or a splinter. It's supposed to naturally push the splinter out. And so I did find mine and um, from years ago, and um, I, did, I only managed to take one dose, and then it got lost. Um, anyway, so I just, uh, but it started to, uh, so I had this, like, thing, like, skin that looked awful. It looked like, um, almost like, um, what are those things called that people, that, that some women I've seen, skin tags. It looked almost like a skin tag, but I but it wasn't a skin tag. So um, I finally looked at it again, and it was itching and painting and keeping me up. And I noticed that it was getting all red. I mean, it was all red. And so I finally gave it some attention. It was calling out to me, and I was just ignoring it, saying, "Please go away! Please go away! Please take care of it." I finally it was screaming for me, I think, to give it some attention. So when I did, I put more yarrow tincture on it, um, and it had started to heal, but it was still very red and very itchy. So moving forward, um, just a couple of days ago, I looked at it again, and I said, this is ridiculous. I, tr- I tried to figure out what this thing was that was hanging off of there. It turned out to be a deeply, deeply engorged tick, which I thought was my skin because it had turned white. It had been in me like for a good month. And my arm was all red and itchy and painful and all red. And I didn't even think of a tick because I knew I had scabs from the thorns and lots of scratches. And But this may, maybe it bit me after I got all those scratches because I was still working out in the garden before I bandaged it up. So I don't know. But anyway, right now um, it's um, healing. Like I don't even know um, there is a scab. Oh, I removed. uh, Oh, the tick removed itself when I put the yarrow tincture on the last time. It was like, and that's how I discovered what it was. So... I saved it. I put it in a jar. It's still in the jar, um, hopefully dead. I put the cover on. Anyway, um, so 
I, it's, there is this big, it almost feels like, um, almost like, um, a, like, um, you know how when women uh, check their breasts for breast cancer, like it can be like a little pee under the skin, like a little, you know, they, they feel for that little pee. Are you still with me? I am, but a little pee wouldn't be cancer. No, no, no. It, 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 it's, no, I'm not thinking it's cancer, but what I'm trying to say is what this tick left what behind. What I'm saying is it, if you touch your breast and there's something like a little pee, that would not be cancer because oh, cancer okay. doesn't move separately from the breast tissue. Cancer is embedded within the breast tissue. Okay, okay. It literally okay. Well, does not that, feel like a pee. That's another subject feels, that I need to learn more It's more like about. a lump of Play-Doh. Okay, I just remember something about if you do breast exams and if you feel something, you're supposed to keep watching it. And if it moved, something about if it moves around, if I don't moves, know, I'll have to. If it moves around, it's cyst, not cancer. Right, cyst. That's what I'm trying to think. So under cyst, that was the word I was trying to think of. So it almost feels like that because it's on my, just below my, um, a little bit higher than my wrist. So it's on the, um, you know, on my soft, fleshy part of my, um, of my uh, inner, uh, like um, when I'm holding my hand with my palm up, it's about uh, one, two, three inches, three and a half inches from my, from my wrist. So it's in the soft, fleshy area, but it, from the, where he was attached, it feels like there's a cyst underneath there, like it's kind of like a ropey feeling and in that area. And, um, it's, and the last time I put that yarrow extract on it and it pulled itself out, and that's how I discovered it was a tick, the, the redness over um, like three days slowly went away. It's only a little bit red now, but I still have this hard lump. And I'm just wondering if you can give me any suggestions what I could do to help myself at this point. The next time, you make, next time you make comfrey infusion, instead yes. of throwing the comfrey away from the infusion, Put it on that area. Okay. You can do that as many times as you want to. You can save the wet mass of the one ounce of comfrey leaf that has been infused in a baggie in the refrigerator and put a fresh bit on every day. You can hold it on with your other hand while you're talking to somebody on the phone or doing something. That doesn't require your hands. Um, okay. Right. You could also put any kind of oil, healing oil, on the area, like plantain oil or red clover oil. And you could do both what of those some- things or either of those things. Okay. I find it still itches a little bit. I mean, it was itching a lot. Which is why I'm thinking plantain oil, which is anti-itch. Okay. 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 And um, I find myself wanting to rub it a lot, like, you know, put pressure on it and rub it, like, like give it a massage. 
Um, and when I did have it for that month, I was itching it a lot. Like I was, it was driving me crazy. It was so itchy and so burning and so painful. But uh, I did scratch a little bit. I'm amazed that I didn't, you know. But I, it, it really did. I couldn't see that it was a tick at all I, because it looked like it was white. It looked like my flesh. And like, and like, like a skin tag, but fuller, you know, like, like it, it could have had a thorn underneath there. That's why I thought maybe it was an in, uh, an ingrown thorn. You know? Perhaps, perhaps, a little more curiosity. I'm sorry. What about did you what's say? happening, and a little less um, closing your eyes and hoping things will go away. <laughs> no. I told you just, I was embarrassed you know, to say. Just a little road marker for yourself, that when you find yourself saying, oh, I want to ignore this, that you say, let me be curious instead. Let and I'm normally a very curious person, but I wasn't let me, here. Oh, let I me just, poke and pry and see what's going on here and what this actually is. Perhaps that will work for you. Perhaps not. But, you know, right now, I think plantain oil will really cut down on the itch. And I think that... the uh, Comfrey poultice, or even just, you know, if it feels good, um, a washcloth in really hot water applied up against it or over the comfrey leaf. I think that that, that will offer you some help and okay. ease. Thank you. Where can I get plantain oil at this time of year, Susan? Well, a lot of people sell plantain oil. You know okay. that I always like to talk about Catskill Mountain Herbals and yes. White Feather, who's taught at the Wise Woman Center, and Red Moon Herbs, uh, which yes. was started by two past apprentices. They're not working with the company anymore, but they did start it and ran it for many yes. years. Yes, because because um, I had two years, I mean, for like three or four years in a row, I had a whole road uh well it it was co- it was compacted soil it was just loaded with plantain i said i should get a ra- i should get some rabbits and and share this plantain with them and uh, all of a sudden this year it disappeared it's like it's it's really strange the way nature takes does things i mean i have no plantain anymore it's like it disappeared have you found each, that? Each plant uses certain soil nutrients and does certain things. There's a wonderful book called Weeds, Guardians of the Soil by Joseph Kockenauer, in which he talks about that. And there are other places uh, that will actually kind of give you a list of the succession of weeds on the land as different things happen. It's one way to read your soil. Could so you tell me the name of that book? book let's say again. let's say good night and green blessings, and next, let the next caller come on, okay? Okay, I will. Thank you again, Susan. Green good blessings night. to you and Rebecca Bless. too. Good night. Okay, the next caller is coming from the three five two area code. Hello, three five two. Are you there? I think it's going to take them. I think it might be taking them just a moment. For some reason, it's logging me out of the system, so just hold on just a minute here. All right, I'm holding. 
Okay, here we go. In the 352? Can you hear me? We can. Hello, hello. Hi, hi. Hi, Susan. This is Carol. Hey, Carol. Uh, how are you? I, I hear you're doing well. That's good news. And you? So, I have a, I'm I'm well, thank you. And actually, like you were saying about your muscle increase, since I had that MRSA infection in June, I have also experienced muscle increase through swimming and, of course, through the nourishing herbal infusions. That's exciting, is it not? It is. The nourishing herbal infusions are just so amazing at helping to restore muscle mass. They are amazing. Um, I think we talked a couple months ago about the pregnancy blend, and I did get the – had a class with the midwives here locally. Did get them to – I helped them – I persuaded them to think about them in forms of simples and going with the alfalfa – not alfalfa, the red clover, nettles, oat straw, red red raspberry in singles. So that, that was good. I, I have a question about motherwort that was presented to me today and with a seven-month pregnant lady whose blood pressure is being, um, it's not high enough to worry about, but she's a first-time mother, and I suggested that she take motherwort. And then she talked to her uh, another midwife, and then she said something about it's not being good in pregnancy, starting contractions, stuff I've never heard about. Why do you know about these contraindications? In fact, in fact, motherwort is one of my favorite herbs to stop cramping. It says motherwort. Exactly. So here's the deal. Folk medicine talks about an herb, motherwort. Herbal medicine talks about a specific part of the plant the flowering top of motherwort picked at a specific time when it's flowering prepared in a certain way tinctures tincture of the fresh flowers and taken in a certain dose it's certainly true that cars can kill you I'm sorry it is certainly true that cars can kill you Certainly true that cars can kill you. But that doesn't stop most of us from driving them and riding in them. Roger that. I am sure that motherwort dried, powdered, and put in capsule and taken in a high dose could cause some problems. But that's not what you're talking about. That is not what I'm talking about. I, and I have, so and I do have the fresh herb infusion. Well, I mean, it's very important when you talk to people that you don't talk in folklore, but that you talk in herbal medicine. And that you get them to do the okay. same. So this, if you say to this woman, what I am talking about is the tincture of the fresh flowering top of motherwort taken in five to ten drop doses. What are you talking about? And if she doesn't know, then she has to go and find out. Exactly. Again, most of the information available about herbs 
is from studies done with dried powdered herbs in capsules or an extract of one component of the herb. The other thing, oh, that, that, thing that I say to people when they say, oh, this could be dangerous is, wonderful. Could you get me more information about that, some real specifics? I agree. How many women have aborted from taking motherwort? What kind of doses were they using? And then that person Mm. will find out they can't find that information because it doesn't exist. And it does not exist. And I and I did it in former. And I have that. Have them look for it and tell her that it doesn't exist. Let her find out. So, So, as far as hey. Um, could you refer me to the information that you're gathering from this concern that you have? And then do tell whether it's from the fresh plant or from the dried herb. That makes the difference because these plants yield different constituents in their different states. And I'm using fresh, flowered, 100-proof vodka. I mean, tinctured in 100-proof vodka with complete osmosis. This will either bring up your blood pressure or bring it down because it's an herb. It has a direction of action. It doesn't have, I mean, it has a sphere of action, not a direction of action. Yes, it tends to normalize. It does normalize. Okay, so I'm going to stick with that. Uh, it's, it's pregnancy. It's seven months. You know, like it fluctuates, especially with the systolic pressure. It just it fluctuates with your emotions. Okay, thank you very much. And then number two is there is a difference between basswood and linden, or is there? No. Good. That's all. Good. Perfect. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate your time. Green blessing. Good night. Good night. So we have one more caller with their hand raised. I'm going to remind the callers to press 1 if they have a question. And the next caller is coming from the 720 area code. Hi, Susan. This is Anna calling. Hi, Um, Anna. Hi, Susan. Good to hear from you. I am curious about hemp. Um, As far as I've been harvesting hemp seeds from uh, fiber hemp, and I'm realizing each different variety has a different aroma and flavor, and it's got me wondering about medicinal qualities of hemp beyond the CBD and the THC and how I would go about learning about those. They're called terpenes. hmm And each different variety has a different terpene profile. Yeah. I think of terpenes as the little notches on the key. And different terpene profiles then provide different keys. Yeah. There are basically two systems in the body that deal with pain and pain relief. The opioid system and the cannabinoid system. 
and the opioid system is pretty general. Whether it's opium or morphine or um, any of the newer designer uh, opioids, um, they latch on and cause an addictive response while relieving pain, but also increase the sensitivity of the pain response. Mm-hmm. Whereas the cannabinoid system is far more picky. And not every group of terpenes is going to work for every person. It's one of the reasons, besides the legal issues, that cannabis is a difficult medicinal herb. Because it's so varied in its action and its profiles. And because you can't say, well, I have seed from this one, and so I will grow that. Because like apple seeds, it's not going to grow a plant like the parent was. Right. So many growers are cloning if they want to have this terpene profile. So the terpenes work with the the cannabinoid system? Yes. Okay. Are there any other medicinal properties beyond that? Properties or constituents? Uh, Either one. (laughs) I Hmm. I don't think we will ever come to the end of finding... Um, ways that cannabis can impact our health. And I hope you heard that we're going to be talking to the children's cannabis nurse at 9 o'clock. That should be just fascinating to see what she has to say about her association with cannabis over the past 12 years. The only drug, um, you know, that has been approved has been a drug for children's seizures. Mm-hmm. Made made from cannabis at this point, so it's difficult to make drugs from cannabis. Somewhat in the same way that it's difficult to get a repeatable action from it. Right. This yeah, is what. This is what. Pharmacists don't like about crude plants. Crude plants in general have a range of doses that can be effective. And pharmacists like to have a specific dose range. No more than this, no less than that. We know that dosing with medicinal herbs can be quite varied and still get good results. Mm-hmm. What are you doing with the hemp seeds you're harvesting? Well, I'm harvesting them for, for the grower and there, you know, there are several varieties. Um, so we're, I don't know. 
But it's, it's you know, it, I haven't been that interested in cannabis before, but harvesting these seeds, like each variety of plant has a different aroma, and they remind me a lot of hops. You know, some are, some are floral, some are citrusy, and I'm like, wow, there is a lot going on here. Um, and you know that hops five, is the only other plant in this family. Right. Right. And, yeah, and, and right I love on. hops. And, they do, they, do. they yeah. smell very much alike. Yeah. So, so it just had, you know, the plants had me thinking, and the plants had me wishing you could just, like, intercrop them in a garden everywhere because I, I, it's sad that they're monocropped, and, and it seems like, I don't know, there's just so much more to them. Anyway, it's... <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, so, so I guess this seems... New York State used to be a big hop plant. grower. And there's all kinds what? of legends and lore about who was allowed to harvest the hops because it was said that if women harvested the hops, then they would go on a sexual rampage and that no man <laughs> was safe. <laughs> well... We wonder how those stories get started. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, thank you. You uh, are welcome. And Dr. Duke, Dr. Duke says that hemp seeds make really great hemp butter. Yeah. Oh, and they, they taste totally different from those ones you buy in the store. Yes. Um the ones you got in the store have been heat treated so they won't grow. Right. And they're rancid compared like compared to these. Yeah. Yep. Yep, exactly. Not that I've been eating while I'm picking, but I have. <laughs> Not that you've been eating. Right? <laughs> What's a seed here and there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's good to hear your voice. It's good to hear you. Green blessings. Good night. Uh Green blessings. Good night. It looks like the caller in the 352 queued back up. Let's see if you have another question. Hi, Susan. Hi. So I told you, I think I talked to you last year, told you that we have a common person that we are associated with and that I, I know who she is and all that. But back in the day, I made a cough syrup with Ella Campaign and Colt's foot. I, and I went up to uh, New York in August and April and I harvested the Colt's foot and I made a tincture out of it. What is the difference between Ella Campaign and Colt's foot and do they grow in the same spot? Colt's foot is Tussilago farfara. You amaze me with your Latin derivative. It's a plant. Tussa is cough. Cough go away is how we would translate that name. Tussilago farfara. Cough go away. And cough go away is what Colt's foot because it's low growing. It's also called the daughter before the, the mother or the son before the father because it flowers before it has leaves. Perennial plant okay. usually grows in roadside ditches, likes to keep its feet pretty wet. Our campaign... My cold foot. Right. Cold foot is a low-growing plant, right? 
Ella campaign is and a tall plant. all along the highways there up north. The campaign is a tall plant. It doesn't like to grow in ditches. Um, it gotcha. likes it likes rich fields. It likes it does like moist places, but not as wet as Coltsfoot likes. Kind of like but think north. Like, think yes, but north. Think like a muddy field. Would we might find Ella campaign. And Ella Campaign loves growing in gardens. Um, you could probably get Coltsfoot to grow in your garden, but you don't think of it much as a garden plant. And the reason that May I, I interject. the botanical name of Coltsfoot is that there's also a western Coltsfoot, which is quite a different plant and has leaves about three feet across. Ah. But the, the Coltsfoot that I found between Ohio Valley and the New York area growing up, that, that is good colts, but, and so that is a low-growing in early spring flower, right? Am I, I'm correct. Very early spring flower, yes. But the Ella Campaign, it grows differently, almost like a mullein? It's a very tall plant, yes, also a perennial, and it has yellow flowers, kind of like small sunflower-like flowers. And how about their actions? Colt's foot flowers are the part that's primarily used, picked, as we said, in the early spring. They are frequently boiled up into syrup with sugar or honey and used to make coughs go away. Colfoot leaves contain pyrolyzidine alkaloids. Pyrolyzidine alkaloids, or PAs, are alkaloids that can cause liver damage. Could you you repeat those alkaloids again, Susan? I'm sorry? Would you mind repeating those alkaloids again? Come back. Pyrolyzodine. Got it. Pyrolyzidine alkaloids are one reason why people are afraid of comfrey. Wild comfrey fruit contains pyrolyzidine alkaloids. And even a small amount can cause liver damage. So Colt's foot was used by native people primarily as a smoking herb. Okay, cold foot was used primarily as a smoking herb, as in the entire top part of the plant. As in the leaves. As in the leaves. Right. So the flowering top has been used as a syrup traditionally to help quell coughs, and the leaves have been dried and used as a smoking mixture. It's probably unsafe to consume the leaves, but I will tell you that I have, partly because I didn't know about pyrolyzidine alkaloids, and partly because they're pretty available and they taste pretty bland and good. I don't anymore, but when I first was learning about plants, I did eat some cold soot leaves and um, certainly didn't suffer any immediate consequences, and that was Oh, gosh, maybe 40 years ago, so I sincerely doubt that I'm going to suffer any consequences at this point. Well, perhaps 
kidding. It was a joke. LOL. Perhaps what? It was a joke. With the Ella campaign, it is primarily the root that is used. And the root is dug, as Rebecca and I were talking about, about this time of year after there's been some frost, some killing frost, but the ground is not yet frozen. And so this is a good time to dig that elecampane root. The plant needs to be two or three years old before you start digging the root. And it's possible to dig and take some of the root and yet leave enough to grow for the next year. That's exactly right. And that acts, a side note, the elecampane root is usually tinctured because it has a, mm, a, a taste that is kind of a combination of Mothballs and osher root. Nice. Okay. Yeah, a little strange. Not bad, but a little strange. Now, when you brought up the, in the last conversation about Don Kwai and it blending or um, whatever the proper word is for working well with other roots, how about that with false unicorn? False unicorn is a fairly rare plant, and so it's one of the plants that herbalists of America, both by talking together and by kind of unspoken communication, have pretty much dropped from the repertoire. Really? Along with really? the root and... Um, I agree with the lady um, slipper, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm very yeah. curious about your. Yeah, I mean, that's very, that's 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 good, good, that's good work so right there because yeah, 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 yeah. It's just too rare to use that way. It's too rare to use that way, as in lady slipper. Lady yeah, slipper. Agreed. Too rare I, I, to I, use. False unicorn root yes. is a plant that is rare. Yes. That's why they, but they, the they's, I'm not saying the they's, just to avoid names, but however, did not at one point, they recommended using false unicorn root with Don Kwai. Who recommended false unicorn with Don Kwai? I've never heard of that. Don Kwai is a Chinese herb. I'll send you, I'll send you an email of the lady that we know we're both talking about. Okay. Okay, so that's the end of that. But man, I, I so man, I, I, thanks you, Cynthia, Susan, so much because right. I mean, I've stored a ton of knowledge with you. These, you're really quite the rock star. You're quite the rock star. Every Tuesday night, coming up here, answering people's questions. Moretta, have you not told her a hundred times how to make an infusion? Your stamina makes my swimming look lame. Thank you, Susan. Uh, Good blessings. Good night, Susan. Good night. Good night. All right. Well, we don't have another caller in the queue right now, but there is a a question that I'm going to take off of the messages on Facebook here, and it says, do you have any more information on for a article or post when Susan says what to do when the universe or a person gives you grief or heartbreak, it said something about don't be kind. It only prolongs things. I'm paraphrasing this. 
Thank you so much for your time. Do you know what she's referencing? I'm trying to to cohere my thoughts into a a, uh, a sentence there. Okay. Um, (laughs) You know, whenever I am faced with somebody saying, you said this, my initial reaction is always, I did not. Mm-hmm. It always is. I just know that. Because it happens a lot. Just like, well, you said this. And my first answer is always, no, I didn't. And because of that, then after that answer, um, then I say, what could you have said that would have been heard like that? Mm-hmm. You remember the story about the real salt, Right. And Ryan Drum, my good buddy, wrote and said, how come you're telling people real salt is pink? This is real salt. I made it by evaporating seawater on my wood stove, and as you can see, it's not pink. So, of course, my first reaction was, I never said that. And then I thought, what could I have said that people might have misconstrued as that? And then I realized, oh, oh, I did say it, because real salt is a brand name, and it's pink. Right. Right. So, I meant real with a capital R, and he meant real with a small r. So, um, what on earth is this woman talking about? So, let's start here. When someone is giving you a hard time, um, first of all, I would ask her what a hard time is. Are they bullying you? Are they talking about you behind your back? Um, to, to me, there are a variety of different things that someone could be indicating by that kind of general, somebody giving you a hard time. But the specific spell for someone that you believe is giving you a hard time is to envision that person on a throne and to bring them all the goods of the universe. Now, I guess that could be construed as don't be nice to that person. In other words, don't go to that person's house with flowers or candy or send them loving care. But in your mind... Bring them dancing girls and flowers and ice cream and chocolates and lobster and whatever you want, you know, wonderful music, because it's your mind, you have to live in it. And if you're having vengeful thoughts, you have to live with those thoughts, they don't. And it's amazing how often thinking that person who's giving you a hard time is being given all the riches of the universe, how often they feel that and don't give you a hard time. And somebody said to me, maybe it's just a change in your attitude because now you're not eliciting that. And I say, I wouldn't say that's wrong. And she's asking where she can find that, so now she can find it right here. Mm 
of this recording. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that being kind to somebody, if you're, I I think why the the question was so, like if you are being like uh, like with like kind to somebody when you're experiencing like heartbreak from them or, you know, like uh, I think like in my situation, why I resonated with the question was that like, I'm having a hard time with like boundaries and like, you know, like um, particularly with my kids' dad, you know? And so like, I end up giving in to him a lot and like um, not being able to be like really clear with where, um, like how to deal with him, I guess. <laughs> and um yeah, and maybe like still kind of overextending myself so I can be in good relationship with him and having my kids like, you know, happy and around and stuff. I know that this was her question, but I'm kind of taking it into like the direction because I was kind of like feeling like this particular way when I read it. <laughs> <laughs> and since there's nobody else on here asking questions at the moment, I'm a little unclear about what you're saying, but here's what I think okay. you're saying. The father mm-hmm. of the kid says, I want A, and you say, I want B. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that there has to be a compromise. And so you think, okay, well, I could give up this and this. And you say, okay, I'm willing to accept C. And he says, I'm only willing to accept A. Mm-hmm. In um, other words, you are making all of the compromises. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and um, let's see. I feel like, I guess that we're... Yeah, yeah, I'm making compromises and, like, overextending myself in the way of, like, just letting him, like, back in my personal space. Um, and, I, you know, like, having him over for meals all the time and, like, having, even though, like, I have my own space now, it's, like, hard for me to, like, be completely clear about... Um, because he, you know, it's like easy to fall back into these like patterns that we have set up with each other, and so I'm like having a hard time like being really clear about how to um, have my own personal space because it's been so long since I've had it, you know, like that I, yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, and like with the children, you're the one who has to set the boundary. I'd love to have mm-hmm. you over for dinner, and it would work best for me if you leave by 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Whatever that boundary is. Mm-hmm. And if he can't or won't do that, then you cannot invite him over. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard for him to be around me without, like, wanting to, like, fall back into, like, our relationship roles. And so that's really hard for me to, like, but at the same time, I want to be, like, nice to him. And I want, like, our kids to, like, be in a good space with us and, like, for us to be able to spend time together. But it just becomes, 
yeah, it's just I, it's just hard I to think have you're those using like, nice to cover up codependent. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't think uh-huh. you're being nice at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And really, what are you teaching your children? Mm-hmm. That the girl always gives in? Mm-hmm. That the girl's wishes are always secondary? Is this really what you want to teach them? No, it's not, and that's why that's why I'm bringing it up. Is I need a little, I need, to, I need some straight talk. I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. okay to say what you want. Mhm. It's okay if you're working with somebody who won't compromise to not compromise. Mm-hmm. You know, when I lived in Jerusalem, one of the things that I really liked the best was going to the market because everything was bargained for. And I really enjoyed that exchange, that they would ask an outrageously high price. I would offer an outrageously low price, and we would both be laughing at each other. Mm-hmm. But we would go back and forth and come to a place of agreement. And that's what we're supposed to do. But if somebody is not playing, if they're going to ask an outrageously high price and not play with you on it, then the whole contract has been broken. Mm-hmm. And you are not required to make it right or whole. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of stabbing in the dark because I don't know exactly what you're talking about and I could be totally off. Because, of course, there's a lot, lot, lot there yeah, in terms of what models you had as to what makes you worthwhile. Uh And again, those models tend to consistently say that girls are supposed to give way, and that's termed being nice. Yeah. I mean, well, right now I'm coming to like a place with him where I'm communicating that, you know, I got my own place and I need to like do my own healing work. And I feel like he, I, he has the opportunity to do that for himself now and that we need to like give each other space to do that without like interfering with each other's process. And yeah, it's, and for him not to take it so personally, but there's like this, I feel like immaturity or something that like just keeps like, I don't know if it's immaturity or what it is that keeps like grasping at me, like energetically, like, or, you know, even like when we're in physical like space together, like I can just 
feel like, you know, like him, like, wanting to, like, leech energy or something from me, you know, and it does not feel good, and I'm just trying, I am, like, really wanting to, like, create, like, a boundary, and I know I need to do that for myself, and I just don't know why it's so hard with him. (laughs) Here's what I was told at a similar time in my life that what I was to do was to go into each of my chakras one by one and to remove all attachments. Mm-hmm. So I started with my root chakra and I found that my mother was attached there and my father was attached there. And so I stopped because I didn't want to remove all the attachments and I checked out, you know, like, did you say I was supposed to remove all of the attachments, or do I just selectively remove the ones I don't want? And no, I was told I was to remove all attachments. And I said, well, there's my mother there, and there's my father there. And again, what I was told was, you remove all attachments, and you trust that the ones that are for your well-being will come back. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It took me several months to work my way through my chakras and detach everyone and everything that was attached to them. And it was, you know, wonderful. You know, some were like braided and some were tied and some were snapped and some were like fish hooks and some were buttons. And there was one um, on my throat chakra uh, put there by a woman who actually... Um, took a manuscript of mine and published it under her name. And um, it was this, wasn't, you know, like a little a little attachment. It was like this huge umbilical cord, but mm-hmm. like six times the size of an umbilical cord. And I was really afraid to detach it. I really thought that I would like bleed to death, like bleed to death energy-wise if I just pulled this out. And so I treated it like an umbilical cord by tying it in two places and cutting between it. Hmm. And the end that wasn't attached to me, the other end, um, actually turned into a snake and tried to bite me. It was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And as I was told it was true those things that were to my benefit came back because we're human beings and we connect to other beings mm-hmm. but the problematic ones I was able through letting go of it all to let go of that too Okay, I have some more work to do, of course, but. (laughs) We always all do. Yeah, I know. Here's a great T-shirt. When I get old, I don't want people thinking, what a sweet little old lady. I want them saying, (laughs) oh, crap, what's she up to now? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) If only it wasn't on gray. If only it was on a tie-dye T-shirt, I would wear it. But gray, no. Come on, gang. 
and Gray does not go with that statement. Mm-hmm. You just splash a color in there. Right. For sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he has, yes, pushing one, I bet everyone is glued to their device <laughs> trying to figure out what is going to happen. Oh, right, with the election here. Yeah, um, we did have one election day, and many polling places are still open, right? If you're on the West Mm -hmm. Coast, polling places are still open. If you haven't voted yet, vote. I don't really even care who you vote for. Just go and vote because it's important. Now, let's see. Mm, I, we do, we I do have one that, person that queued up with a question, too. I think so whenever that, you're ready um, you said that in Oregon that everybody does mail-in ballot all the time, or is that my friend Candace who told me that about Oregon? Um, that was me, yeah. If we do mail-in or if we can drop it off at the box. Yep. Okay, so if you didn't mail it in, you can still drop it off. Mm-hmm. And let's catch that last person who pushed one, or the next person who pushed okay. one. Coming from the 954 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi, Rebecca. I'm so excited to get to talk to you. Um, I am 36 years old, and I'm calling about a yeast infection. Um, So I have not had yeast infections since I was a teenager, and um, this year I've started having them, and I've been to the doctor and been tested for STDs and things like that that are all negative and um, I've just finished a round of monostat 7 and I would say that it has not worked at all Um, and I'm very itchy and burny on the outside and um, I've been using yogurt and I take probiotics and I eat sauerkraut um, and I, I'm wondering if there's anything else I can do to cure it, but also wondering, I'm just itchy and burning on the outside and kind of wondering if I have a yeast infection on the inside or if it can happen just on the outside. I am wondering if it's a yeast infection also. Okay. Because it's certainly not acting like one. Ah. Does it smell yeasty? No. And there's no discharge. Yeast really smell like bread, like baking bread. They really do. No smell and no discharge. So, I take it that a variety of things were completely ineffective, and that's why you decided to take Monostat. Yes. And the yogurt soothes when I, um, you know, use it. It soothes for an hour or two, but it doesn't resolve it. Nothing seems to resolve it. Which, again, is indicating that it's probably not a yeast infection. Hmm. So when you say that you were tested for all STDs. Were you tested for trichomonas? Yes. Um, actually, is that the one that is also kind of smelly? Yes. Or has a distinct smell? 
So I yes. talked about it with my doctor, and we both decided that there was not a distinct smell, and, it, and then it was not worth testing for. I was a little um, cost-sensitive, and so I only wanted to do the tests that she felt were really necessary. Right. The reason I bring it up is that it, it, trichinomus is like a more of a parasite than an infection. Hmm. Okay. And it can cause that kind of generalized itching. And yogurt and antibiotics do nothing. Hmm. So if I were to get tested for that and it was positive, what would um, the course of action be? Do you have a copy of Down There? I do not. Okay, because, of course, I go into detail about how to help, you know, yourself figure out which of these things it is, and um, there are a variety of different things. Trichomonas can be very difficult to deal with, um, and one of the basic ways to deal with it is smother it somehow, like with charcoal powder. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. But um, I don't have a copy down there with me because I'm at the, the house where I'm uh, rehabilitating still, um, mm. and I don't have my whole set of books up here. Um, so that's the one I remember. There's a variety of I know there's a variety of different things that can be done, and that both the medical establishment and the herbal establishment say difficult to deal with. Do you think I should treat it as that, even without being tested, or should I get tested for that? Well, you treated the yeast infection with an antibiotic without really getting tested for it. Um, well, an antifungal, the monostat. I didn't take an antibiotic. Which is actually even worse. Oh, so I should not do that again. But really, that's not an antibiotic, really, right? Really, I know, but the antifungals are really, really damaging to the liver. Okay. 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 So my current course of action is yogurt to soothe. Um, that's is kind of the, the yogurt, only thing. Is yogurt soothing? Yes. Okay. All right. If it's soothing, good. But if the skin is broken or irritated, the acids in the yogurt might increase the itchiness. I, it occasionally looks red and swollen down there, but not always, just sometimes. And then I use the yogurt, and it kind of clears up a little bit. Wonderful. But not fully. Yes, but not fully. Mm-hmm. I also have access um, I have chickweed and I have neem, um, both of which a little Googling kind of mentioned might be um, things to use, but I wasn't, I would like to know what you think about that and, and if so, how what, I would use those things. What form of neem do you have? I have a neem oil. <laughs> That's an essential oil. Oh, um, let me look at it. I would be surprised. I don't, I don't think it is. Um, Let's see. Well, it it says neem oil. Um, that would be disappointing if it was an essential oil. It's from the Bahamas. A, a friend um, went down there and brought it back for me. It says cold-pressed neem oil. And it will solidify with temperature changes, and it is solid in the cold. 
Okay, and what does it smell like when you open it? You know what? I've never even broken the seal. I'll do that now. For the longest time, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to need this for. Mm -hmm. Okay, opening it up. It is not as potent as one might expect for an essential oil. Hey, good. Then it's probably not. How wonderful. Do you think that would help me in any way down there? That's a pretty general question. Would it help you in any way? It might (laughs) psychologically make you feel better. (laughs) Fair, fair enough. Would it help me with the itching, burning... I'm going to scream. I don't know because I I don't grow neem and I don't live where neem grows. And as you know, I tend to encourage people to use local things. I mean, you have it. Um, You'll know pretty fast if it's not going to help. Right, right. Right. Okay. Um, What about chickweed? Should I be making an infusion of chickweed and using a compress? What do you Um, have? Or I have um, have chickweed growing outside. Um, and so I could tincture it, which, you know, could take a little bit, or I could make an infusion or a tea. You couldn't make an infusion because you have to have it dried to make an infusion. Infusions are only made with dried plant material. Okay. Okay. So I could make a Never, strong ever with tea. Never, fresh. Um, okay. Right. Or you could make a chickweed poultice, and chickweed poultices are renowned for cooling and soothing. Okay. 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 All right, great. But um, again, if this is trichomonas, mm-hmm. these things won't help. Right. They will be so palliative. They'll be palliative, and palliative right. is okay. Right, but they won't really clear a trichomonas infection. Right. So would trichomonas um, ebb and flow? So I had this episode in March as well, and it eventually went away. And I don't quite know how. I um, I had been a, a pretty – I had every night was taking baths, anywhere from one to one and a half hours. And um, when, it, when this happened, I, I stopped taking baths completely, and so, you know, I think until this reoccurred now, I figured that's what the problem was. Um, now I'm no longer taking baths, and it's, it's come back. But it's back. Alas. Yeah. Alas. Mm-hmm. Alas. <laughs> hmm. um, it's a pretty easily passed if you have any um, intimate connection with mm-hmm. others. Possible to pass it back and forth. And the yeast if, or the trichinomus? The trichinomus, and it, mm. it generally only causes symptoms for you. Mm. How annoying. Yes, how mm. very annoying. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, you've given me some things to think about it, and I know it's time for your interview. So I will say thank you very much, and I hope we get to speak again someday. Green blessings. Good night. Thanks for your question. Green blessings. Good night.
All right, I think I'm going to go ahead and introduce Vanessa Pack, although Vanessa may not quite be here yet. It's a few minutes before the hour, um, but we're eager to talk with I am actually here, yes. I see that in one place it says Vanessa Peck, and in another place it says Vanessa Peck. And I'm going to guess that Peck is right. Yes. So, yes, Vanessa Peck, the medical cannabis nurse for kids, is a certified cannabis nurse with 12 years of professional nursing practice with an extensive background in emergency care, trauma, and pediatrics. Vanessa was compelled to advance her career to help educate and guide families through the world of cannabis. Vanessa understands and empathizes with parents who feel at their wit's end because of failed therapies, enduring the most difficult experience, watching their child suffer. Together, Vanessa and families walk hand in hand down the alternative road of medical cannabis, transforming and restoring their child's life. Welcome to the show, Vanessa. Thank you for having me. I am sure that the question most uppermost on most people's minds is, what on earth, how does a nurse get involved with cannabis? Yeah, so it's kind of a a journey along the way. So um, I have a lot of experience in the ER. That's where most of my experience is. And when working in the pediatric ER a few years ago, I actually had a patient who was uh, diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. Um, Parents had brought the child in to be uh, checked out for some symptoms he was having. And during this uh, visit, at some point we thought the patient was going to have to be admitted. And when we told mom that there was this possibility, she had said, you know, when we tell him, just so you know, he may have what we call a meltdown, where he just really gets upset and sometimes it's difficult to get him under control again. So when this was uh, being spoken about, um, you know, we went through the, the time that he was there, and unfortunately we had to reach the decision that he was going to have to be admitted overnight. Um, so when mom let him know, she, he did exactly what mom had predicted and ended up, um, you know, really getting upset about it, pacing back and forth in the room, yelling. Um, The ER physician had pulled me aside and had told me that she was going to order some IV Ativan, which is a sedative that we would be able to give and put through the IV as needed if he was unable to calm down on his own. Um, I let mom know this, and she actually wanted to hold off on giving it. She said, let's keep it just in case if he doesn't calm down. But she had mentioned that she had his CBD oil that she wanted to give to him and said that it was usually pretty effective within 15 to 20 minutes, but that if it didn't work out and didn't help him, then we would move to our secondary option of the IV Ativan. So I had told mom, yes, let's, you know, do what you think is is best for your son. And I let the ER physician know and she was okay with um, mom giving her child the CBD oil. And I went about my business taking care of some other patients. And about 20 to 25 minutes later, I went to go check on my patient and his family. And as I approached the room, I think I was already astounded that what I had left hearing was completely different and it was much quiet. It was much quieter. And I think when I walked into the room, mom could just see it all over my face 
but I was just amazed to see this child who had been pacing back and forth, yelling with clenched fists, now laying in bed, calm, speaking to his parents, laughing and watching TV. And I was just completely floored by what I had seen. So mom and I had gotten into a conversation and she, you know, told me a little bit of their story and their journey over the years where, you know, their son had been um, on many conventional medications over time, uh, some that would work and then not work, some with minimal effectiveness, some with a lot of side effects, um, putting them through rages uh, and with, they would need more medications to quell those side effects. So it was kind of this vicious cycle that they had been through. Um, and mom had heard about CBD and decided to do some research and try it out for herself. And she said, it's just been a godsend for them. And that, you know, she said she had seen her son in a light, you know, see him who he truly is, you know, not on these medications that were putting him through rages and making the meltdowns worse. And uh, she said, you know, it really gave him a quality of life that they only imagined and never thought, you know, it could be possible and that it was quality of life for them as well. So from there, after seeing this and, uh, you know, seeing this firsthand, I, you know, did a little bit of research into cannabis medicine over time. If I saw some articles, I just always had an interest and was always gravitated towards it, but I never really went into it until pretty recently when um, I discovered another nurse who was doing cannabis nursing and decided and you know, thought back on my journey and experience with this that, you know, this is what I need to do because uh, I saw, you know, these this alternative uh, plant provide life to a child and a family that wasn't provided to them by with conventional medicine. And while I think conventional medicine has a time and place, especially working in the ER, I've seen many patients uh, really experience a lot of failed treatments through the conventional and traditional ways. And uh, to be able to educate people about this and how it works, why it works, the science behind it, and help as many people as I can is, I know this is my journey and this is what I need to do as somebody in this in this profession. So this is how I came, up, came about this. Wow. And once you saw this happen with one child, you tried it with other children. Yes. Do you yes, have Do you have a hard time helping parents understand that what you're suggesting is not going to get their kids high? I definitely, and I think that has to do a lot with the stigma that still exists around what this is about, and it's nobody's fault because at the end of the day it's the stigma that's been created you know when people think about cannabis they first think about THC and the psychoactive component that comes with marijuana and so I understand that's where parents are coming from but once you start to educate them about what this really truly is about and what the constituents are in cannabis that it's not all about THC uh, they start to better understand, and that's when you start breaking down those barriers, and then they're willing to hear what you have to say, and at some point, 
willing to try something because a lot of these parents, unfortunately, you know, cannabis, CBD, you know, all the other cannabinoids, whether it be CBG, CBN, um, sometimes even in some cases we do do THC with some children in combination with CBD. But uh, these parents are at their wit's end. You know, they they literally have tried everything, um, and this is becoming a last resort for them. And hopefully with time, as more people become educated on this and understand the science and evidence behind it, including those in the medical community, hopefully this will be offered maybe to some as a first-line treatment or just having an option, of having it being an option as a first-line treatment rather than a last-line treatment. And these families and children have to go through these, um, you know, unfortunate scenarios and bad experiences before they can experience some sort of relief. Mm. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I have, over this past year, been ranting at uh, nurses and doctors who won't prescribe CBD. <clears throat> and mostly what I have been saying is, it's the 21st century. You are stuck in 20th century medicine. You are stuck in 20th century thinking if you think that cannabis and cannabis products um, are not um, worthwhile. And what most medical professionals say to me is, I haven't seen good enough studies yet. Yeah, and that's that's definitely something I come against uh, and come across as well in the medical community still. Um, and unfortunately, the medical community, they, they come from a background where it's all about the evidence, it's all about the science. And I completely understand that. And there, there, are, there is science and there is evidence there. Um, it's just not in the quantities that they want. And if we don't, those who are proponents of the cannabis or using cannabis in a medicinal way, uh, if we don't continue to try to break down these barriers and continue to work uh, making or advocating to make marijuana, to deschedule marijuana from a Schedule 1 to either Schedule 2 or Schedule 3 drug, this way we can have the opportunity to create the studies in the quantities that, you know, these medical professionals are looking for. I mean, it's already there, but they just want it in the quantities that they they need to say, yeah, green light, let's, um, you know, offer cannabis as a possible option. So as a, as a healthcare professional in this, in this realm, I'm definitely going to be working hard in, in educating other medical professionals that there is, there are studies and there is evidence, but we need to keep uh, working to keep getting it descheduled because everybody should have access to this plant and this should be an option for everyone. Whether or not it's the right option for people, that should be their choice. But we should not be keeping this as as a you know, as something that they can't choose to use to treat their ailments or chronic conditions or symptoms. Yes. Yes, but to to have a choice rather than to be told you simply cannot have access to this. Last December, I was at a large conference in Tucson, Arizona, and the first day of the conference was completely devoted to cannabis. And there was a cannabis researcher there 
who told us quite the tale. Uh, first of all, she said that in order to get federal funding for her research, she had to use the cannabis that was provided by the federal government. Wow. But she could not investigate cannabis. She could only investigate what was supplied to her, and it only comes from this one farm, and it was moldy. Hmm. And she oh, knows because she had her lab run tests, and there were mycotoxins in it. Oh, I believe it. And she said, so, I, you know, yes, I'm allowed to do research, but I'm not really allowed to do research. Yeah, that I, that I believe. And it's something that it, anybody who's in this realm, whether you're a grower, a cultivator, a healthcare professional, an educator who is a proponent for cannabis, uh, this is something that we're all trying very hard to fight and advocate to get the descheduling completed um, just so we can have the backing so that we can do all the studies. The studies are are there and we do have to question when there's synthetic forms of CBD and THC that are being created and sold by pharmaceutical companies that are scheduled three drugs. There obviously is research that shows that CBD and THC from cannabis is effective. Otherwise, you know, why would these pharmaceutical companies be creating it in a synthetic form to treat things like treatment-resistant epilepsy, really severe forms of epilepsy for children or, uh, you know, patients who are on strong bouts of chemotherapy um, and they're experiencing uh, terrible nausea and decreased appetites. So these synthetic forms of THC and CBD that are being created, um, they're being created based on research that shows that there are medicinal benefits here. Yes, it was very interesting at this conference. There were, a, a, of course, a trade show and a wide variety of people. And there, there were really two groups of people. The groups of people who said, we're going as drug-like as we can. We're going to find the constituent that does this, and we're going to get FDA approval for it as a drug. And that was mm, maybe 2 to 5% of the the sellers and the people, and then the rest of the people were, no, it's herbal medicine. It's not pharmaceutical medicine. Mm-hmm. And there's a synergistic response um, by the body to not just the THC and not just the CBD, because those are just some of the cannabinols, and there are dozens of others, but also all the terpenes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and that's certainly, where... Certainly yeah. In talking to cannabis pharmacists, um, it seems to be pretty generally the case that most people get better pain relief from a mix of CBD and THC than they do from just straight CBD. Yeah, that's exactly doing that um, whole entourage effect, which is just a fancy term to uh, define exactly what you're talking about, where that that synergy that exists between the cannabinoids, the terpenes, the flavonoids, and THC create uh, or work better in 
reducing symptoms or, like you said, pain relief, um, or it could be uh, migraine headaches. It could be uh, aggressive behaviors in a child uh, with autism spectrum disorder or reducing seizures in people or children who have treatment-resistant epilepsy, that uh, when we have a combination here and we use the whole plant, that we're getting better effects and better outcomes. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, I, again, I think that that goes far beyond anecdotal because I've been, yes. as I said, talking to cannabis pharmacists, people who are actually, you know, at the forefront here and interacting with hundreds of people and seeing what works and what does not work. Exactly. exactly. New York State being a little, you know, um, Austere about it, although we have finally gotten it legal to sell flowers um, in New York State. Um, you can't sell anything by name. You can only say this is high THC or this is high CBD or this is a mix of THC and CBD. Right. And, of course, uh, like like many people, um, gee, if I had an opportunity to to name the different varieties of motherwort, I would love it. I don't. But, uh, you know, what fun. You know, I was talking to somebody today, and she said, oh, I just got some orange chameleon. <laughs> I said, really? She said, yes. I got tired of vortex. Oh, How fanciful. How marvelous, yeah. right? Right, right. right. The, the one that's sold at the local, across the, the state border pharmacy that I find works best for dealing with my after-surgery pain is deep six. Again, what a fanciful name for it. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it really is. But it's a lot of fun, and I and I like yeah. that, and I think most people do enjoy yeah. that part of it. So, so that um, there there are these two sections here. The we're going to make drugs here, and they're going to be FDA certified. And the uh, wait a second, there's that synergistic whole effect. And you, in a way, have to straddle that line. Yeah, um, definitely. And that's what, when it comes to treating patients and finding what may work versus what may not work, um, you know, unfortunately, it's still an art. And that is due to the fact that we don't have the opportunity to do the extensive studies that we would like to do to be able to target. I mean, it would be nice to say for this ailment, we're going to start with this dosage, this, uh, you know, at this frequency. Um, but unfortunately, that is not the case. So, you know, we have a way of approaching it. And, you know, when I work with parents, that's more working on a collaborative uh, field. So it's a level playing field. And this way, parents are also involved in their child's care and not just given a script and say, hey, give this and hopefully it all works out. Um, but through education and um, understanding what this is all about, we can together come up with a treatment plan, whether, you know, if they're okay with doing full spectrum versus broad spectrum versus something that's just an isolate. And uh, really the, the differences just really are full spectrum. There's maybe a small amount of THC that's contained in the product, but it's less than 0.3%. And anything, 0.3, anything less than 0.3%, you're not going to get that quote-unquote higher, that euphoria that a lot of people are concerned about. 
Um, and then your broad, broad spectrum, you don't have any THC in it, but you have all those great constituents, those cannabinoids, the terpenes and flavonoids. And then the CBD isolate is just pure CBD. It's just completely stripped of the THC. And you probably don't have the terpenes and flavonoids. So together we try to figure out, you know, what kind of product does the parent want to try, understanding that, you know, full whole plant is probably going to be your best bet because you're getting what we spoke about before with the entourage effect with everything working synergistically together, cannabinoids, the flavonoids, and the uh, terpenes. Um, and then from there we decide we're going to start low and go slow um, to try to find the minimum, minimal dosage we need to reach the therapeutic effect. So when I say the therapeutic effect, if we're looking to quell injurious behaviors, reduce anxiety, when we see those, those effects, then we know that we've reached the dose that works for them. Um, with time, though, it, it, there are studies that are showing that uh, using genetic testing can get us closer to figuring out what may work best for a child or a patient, for that matter. Um, it's still not exact, but we may not have to play around with it as much. And that's something that I do plan on offering to um, the families that I help, that if that's something that they want to do and they're just, you know, they're like, I'd rather try to target it uh, much quicker than if we have to play around with it. Um, but for the most part, we do see uh, success more with the whole plant than with broad spectrum or an isolate. You told us about your first success story. Do you have any other success stories you want to share? Yeah, a lot of them uh, are more around uh, behavioral issues. So ADHD, you know, children are having difficulty time focusing and having some um, behavioral issues. Had a couple of kids there that, you know, uh, were on many, you know, ADHD medications that just weren't working or, again, putting them in rages. Um, and then using a full-spectrum uh, uh, product, hemp product, uh, actually proved to increase their focus. And, uh, you know, parents were just amazed, like, that they were doing so much better with it and just felt like they were, like, more the child that they, they knew was there. Um, and then just quite a few with uh, autism spectrum disorder, just helping quell some of those self-interest behaviors, anxiety, and, you know, obsessive-compulsive Parts and and even some children uh, improving communication where they're saying a few more words, stringing a sentence together, something that never happened before. Um, so that's some of the stuff that we've that I've seen, um, and that's been, you know, it really like I said, the scientific evidence is there, but then when you see the anecdotal evidence, it's just you just just can't understand how more people don't want to be more. Be more of an advocate for descheduling it to make sure that we do have these studies so that more medical professionals are understanding it, studying it, and offering this as an option to their patients. Yes. Hooray. This is Susan Weed talking with Vanessa Peck. What's the best way to get in touch with you, Vanessa, if someone is saying, this is for me, I want more? Sure. So I have a website at www.elevated-healing.com. 
Um, I can also be found on Facebook, which is just Elevated-Healing, um, Instagram, and uh, also LinkedIn as well that you can find me all under Elevated Healing. Um, but really the best way is my website that you would be able to contact me through there. Tell us more about Elevated Healing. Sure. So it's um, a consulting company where I help parents who um, maybe, like I said, at their wit's end or just looking for alternative options for their child because maybe, you know, their child's been on a numerous medications or is just on a lot of medications now and they're trying to reduce or replace those medications with something that's more natural and fewer to no side effects. Um, and I pretty much guide these families through the world of cannabis. I mean, it can be quite confusing um, and just teaching them the right information, showing them the science behind it, why it may work for their child, and then coming up with the treatment plan that may work for their child. Um, and from there, you know, we track what seems to be working, uh, what doesn't seem to be working, and if we need to alter the treatment plan, we do that as well until we reach our, our goal that we set. Um, so I'm doing that, and actually I'm also in the process of creating courses that I want to offer to parents who um, want to explore it, but they're still just really unsure and don't want to move forward with it just yet. Um, and uh, the first course that I'm actually going to be offering in the next couple of weeks uh, is going to be focusing on parents uh, with a child or children with autism spectrum disorder. And the course is just going to teach them, you know, is this safe? Why is it effective? Um, teach them, you know, a uh, brief overview of what the endocannabinoid system is and why the phytocannabinoids from the cannabis plant work. Um, and why it would work for their child, things that we need to consider, and also ways in which they can approach their child's clinician about the use of cannabis um, and getting the support that they need with other medical professionals. Um, so that is, you know, my goal is to try to educate as many people as I can so that they can have the best foundation to make the best decision possible for their child and if this is truly the right option for their child and their family. So that is um, Elevated Healing. If somebody said to you, I'm really interested in using a cannabis uh, to aid my child or perhaps to aid myself, what's the downside? What would you say to them, Vanessa? Um, the downside is that it may not necessarily work. Um, we have to, that's the thing with the endocannabinoid system, you know, everybody's systems are working differently. The endocannabinoid system is the largest chemical messaging system that we have within our bodies, and its, uh, its main goal is to achieve internal balance, or what we call homeostasis, uh, with all our, our systems, whether, whether it's a respiratory system, immune system, cardiovascular system. Um, and some of us, uh, our systems may be out of balance, and therefore, um, how I respond to a product may be different than how you respond or a child responds to a product. So um, just because we see, we know that there's the science and everything, um, it doesn't always necessarily work for everyone or trying to find that 
where it takes time to also find that what we call sweet spot where we have the right dose that quality effects. So the downside is it could be, it could not work or it could take time to find what works. Um, and then also some people just may experience the opposite effects of CBD. You know, some people uh, may actually feel a little fatigued at first when they try CBD and that could be the body just trying to reset itself to achieve balance because it's been out of balance. Um, but then some people find CBD being really energetic. It gives them energy. So this is where, you know, it's still an art and, um, you know, not everybody's going to respond the same way. I'm sure that there are listeners out there going, well, what about addiction? How come you didn't say addiction was a downside? And let me answer for myself. There is no addiction pathway for cannabis. And that was, a, that was going to say the same exact thing. It's not possible because, like you said, there's no pathway for it. It's not, uh, it's not like our opioid receptors where we have a center within our brain where it attaches and causes that addiction. There, like you said, there is absolutely no pathway. So one can use cannabis, use it daily, and even use it in large quantity without being addicted. Now, if we were to expand addiction, then I could say I'm addicted to reading. I read every single day, and I get very upset if I don't get to read. Um, And so you could be addicted to cannabis in that way, but not not even um, it's not even as addictive as coffee. If you've ever seen anybody go through a coffee withdrawal, this is very true. (laughs) Very true. Very true. Or chocolate, for that matter. Ah, chocolate is also (laughs) non-addictive. So, um, gee, uh, you know, Vanessa, I am really enjoying talking with you, and there's so many more things that we could talk about, but it's a blog talk show, and they really are so severe about cutting us off. And so we have come to the point of the show where I get to ask you, what would you like to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's been listening to you tonight. Yeah, I just um, want to just tell people, you know, really uh, get all your right information and consider cannabis. If you're a person that's about alternative treatments or you have tried absolutely everything and things are not working, that just to consider and research uh, cannabis as a possibility because it really does have um, some really great properties and I mean, we have to question why was this plant placed here on this earth and we have a, a system that works hand-in-hand hand with it. So just something that we should all consider and, and advocate for. Vanessa Peck is available at elevatedhealing.com. Is that elevated-healing? Or just... Yeah, elevated-healing.com. Elevated-Healing.com. Thank you so much for being with us tonight, Vanessa Peck. Thank you for helping us to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients and to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. And thank you, Rebecca, and thank you, Justine, and green blessings to everyone. Thank you.
Good night. Thank you, everyone. Good night.